in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Raiders made a couple of signings yesterday. On offense, they signed Demarcus Robinson. He had 264 receiving yards for Kansas City last year. His career high in 2020 was 466. Uh, So here's your Raiders wide receivers at the moment. Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro are the top two. And then you have Brian Edwards, Demarcus Robinson, and maybe Mac Hollins competing to be the third starting wide receiver and for the fourth and fifth spots, I guess. Do they need more wide receivers or do you think, are they good with those as their I top think they're five? good unless they're going to have sign one that's six, seven, three thirty-five, and he can move to guard <laughs> every day. They're signing new positions and none are on the offensive line. Whoa, whoa. They signed offensive linemen. They just are probably backups. We read, we read their names yesterday. <laughs> no one knew who any of them were and they were already listed as the backups. <laughs> there's a depth chart and there's no starter. They're just on the bench. Yes, as they're the just on the party. bench. So I am, I'm curious the wide receiver group, like we've talked a lot about Devonte Adams, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller as sort of this big three, this trio of pass catching options, but you're going to run, you know, four wide receiver sets. You're going to have four wide receivers with Devonte Adams out there at times. And even if not, you're going to have three wide receivers out there. Most of the time is Brian Edwards going to be any good. Yeah, like, are they better? Gonna, are they going to have a good third? Does it matter? Do they need a good third wide receiver? If you have Adams, it, Renfro and Waller. I mean, I think it helps. Isn't this the time that Brian Edwards needs to step up more than just flashes, but is he even going to have that opportunity? Because to me, well, like, he, we talked about it last week. Hunter Renfro's numbers are going down. Hunter Renfro's not having Hunter the same. Hunter Renfro could be as good as he has ever been or better in those numbers right. are going to go down. Devontae Adams, Adams' numbers are probably yeah. going down, too. Like, all like the, the top three options on this team are probably going to have, well, Waller was hurt, so I guess it can't technically go down from last year. But they're, they're up, they're, their numbers are going to go down. So, like, there's not we're talking about there are not going to be enough chances for those guys to have great, you know, career-high seasons. I don't know if there's enough targets for Brian Edwards. I mean, when when are you or throwing Marcus Robinson? Yeah, when are you throwing to these guys? I mean, yes, you're going to have five passing options on the field, but like, when's Brian Edwards getting involved here? Because he's not the the burner. He's not the deep route guy that the Raiders maybe still need. Or maybe that's where Demarcus Robinson or or Mac Hollins fills in. So I just I don't know where Brian Edwards gets his targets unless he really truly has a unless it's like hey. They're double teaming Hunter Renfro and Devonte Adams on every single pass. Brian Edwards is literally uncovered. Just throw him the ball. Then his is the only numbers that will go up. <laughs> I found a uh, wide receiver who could play guard. Kelvin Benjamin is currently listed at 6'5", 265 pounds. All we oh. got to do is get him to gain about I was going to say, get that, guy in the, get that guy in the food room. Might be better than Alex Leatherwood. Man, you know, that's a great question. Defensive signing. For oh, the here is shock. They signed Vernon Butler, defensive tackle from Buffalo. Um, he's graded outside the Pro Football Focus top eighty for defensive tackles for each of the last four seasons. I'm guessing this is much more of a scheme fit, where they think Vernon Butler is going to fit their three-four defensive front uh, pretty well, and not actually a guy that's going to make a massive impact on the Raiders' defense next year. Max Crosby, Kendall Vickers, Brown Nichols, and Chandler Jones now listed as the starters. Is that so Kendall question, Vickers? Is and, the is the depth chart you're looking at still listed as a four three? Uh, it's still listed as a four three. Okay. 
because it, it's Vernon seems... Butler's listed as the backup to Nichols. Yeah. So they're going to a three, four of some sort. And by the way, the interesting part is going to be, what do they do with Cleveland Furl? Does he end up as one of the mm. inside guys on the defensive line? Or does he end up as a, like, you know, the now outside linebacker edge rusher that Crosby yeah. and Chandler Jones He's listed be? as a backup to Crosby. Yeah. But you're looking, but that's a 4-3 right. still. That's 4-3 so still. I'm curious where they view Cleveland Furl. And if Furl has a chance to have a better season, given that it'll be the first time he's playing in a completely different defensive front than what he has in his entire NFL career. Update, Denzel Good at this point is listed as questionable. He's wait. He's already questionable. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys. Perryman. Are these just Rockerson. carryover injuries? They got to be. Last ca- year? Yeah, they got to okay. be carryover. I was gonna say, do we have injury no, reports they gotta be, in They got to be, be carryovers. <laughs> Perryman's hurt. Rockison. Jonathan. Boy, he's already questionable. Oh, that's that's a given. <laughs> I'm out. The Dolphins signed Teron Armstead. He was the top free agent at the tackle position. He got a five-year deal worth up to $87.5 million. Probably won't get all that. Uh, but $43 million guaranteed for Armstead. That's a massive deal. We talked a little bit yesterday. Are there still tackles out there the Raiders can go sign? Yes, there's a tackle no longer out there. <laughs> there are. Uh, they were never going to be able to afford Teron Armstead after what they did with Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones this offseason. So they're going to have to be in Tier 2 or even Tier 3. And again... We're still assuming they're going after an offensive lineman at some point in free agency. They haven't actually done that, though. So we'll see what the Raiders do. But the number one, they're not getting the number one tackle in free agency. He is signed with the Miami Dolphins, which the Dolphins, you think they're any good this year? My buddy Larry Mir does. He actually just tweeted, I can't wait till the season starts. They might have a decent offensive line. They've got some decent skill position guys. Like Jalen Waddle's really good. Like, well, I'm curious to see if, if Tua, Tua had a terrific completion percentage last year. Wasn't a lot of deep throws for the Miami Dolphins last year. I'm curious to see if, if Tua is able to like be a quarterback you can win because of, not just a quarterback that you can I mean, win with. Nine and eight last year? Yeah, I mean, they, they well, started they off win, terribly. Like six in a Won, row, seven in a row. Seven in a row. Seven in and a then row. fired yeah. their coach. Yeah, well, <laughs> they missed the playoffs. He was, he was trying too hard, Jared. They liked that losing streak there, so... I'll be curious to see how how good the Dolphins are because the the other problem they run into, the Bills are in their division and really good. The Patriots are in their division and are a playoff contender. It's going to take a lot for the Dolphins to get top two in the AFC East. Oh, yeah. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. (laughs) Ben Simmons has a herniated disc in his back. There are 11 games left in the Nets regular season. Steve Nash still said that he's hopeful Ben Simmons can play this year. I don't believe that. He's not playing. This I year. don't think he's playing this year at all. I can't imagine he is because here's what's going to happen. They're going to play 11 games. If if it's this bad, I, I highly doubt he's back for a regular season game here. The Nets are likely to be in the play-in series. Is he going to come back for a one-game no play-in? Do you want him in that? Like that's... No. So... I'd be surprised if he comes out. Like, if you're playing. the Nets right now, I think you're looking at this and saying, all right, this this is about next year, right? Yeah. Like, you hope that by next fall, Kyrie Irving's able to play in every all arena. This you guy's hope, healthy. Right, by next fall, that happens. And that Ben Simmons doesn't have back issues. And you go in the next year with Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Irving as a big three. And that should put you among the top four teams in the Mm -hmm. east right like that should be a team that's good enough in the top four in the east so that would be the assumption i saw a stat on reddit yesterday 
that Kevin Durant has just now played as many games as a net as James Harden did. Neither one played over 82. That's amazing. I, I'm more surprised at James Harden. Right. I thought he would have played more than that. Right. That, like, they, the Nets acquired this big three of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin, Kevin Durant, Durant, and they never played no. together. Like, that was, that's like one of the most disappointing big three eras in basketball history because what, what was it, 40 games they ended up playing together over the course of three years? Amazing. Incredibly well. Like, they got those three, and it was like, oh, here come the Nets, Nets title contenders, and. They James almost Harden the played that few games with yeah. the Nets. Yeah, they were all injured. I mean, Ky- well, Kyrie, right. Kyrie didn't wasn't get vaccinated, injured. but they were all injured at points, and that's incredible. That Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, after this year, will have been with the Nets for as many seasons as he was with the Warriors. <laughs> that's amazing. What do you think? The Browns oh. spoke with Deshaun Watson for thirty minutes about his alleged sexual oh. misconduct. Oh. I should have um, gone press box transition. The, you do that after <laughs> this. After this. Uh, yes, this will be a good one after it. They also, according to this tweet uh, from Josh Frisco, they did speak to three women about it. All three women are on Deshaun Watson's defense team. <laughs> so none of the women who have accused this guy, of which you'll have to do 20 depositions, did they talk to? The Browns said they did their due diligence. They said they did their research before trading for Deshaun Watson. I, I guess maybe I'm surprised they even talked to him for 30 minutes about it. That's maybe I, the most surprising they say thing. They said they talked 30 minutes on this and 90 on football. Yes, the rest was on football. And, yeah, how, how they're going to use him and the, whatever. But, yes, there, I may, I'm actually a little surprised they even did 30 minutes with Deshaun Watson right. on it. But 30 minutes with Deshaun Watson, and they talked to Deshaun Watson's defense attorneys, and that was their due diligence on it. All Remember, three were women on the defense. Yeah. And Along with Rusty Harden. If you remember, the lawyer for, that's representing the women that are accusing Deshaun Watson came out and said, no NFL team talked to right. me. No NFL right. team reached out to me. So that's due diligence. The Cleveland Browns. And to be fair, the rest of the teams that were interested in Deshaun Watson. like just Nobody he, reached out. Just because he went to Cleveland doesn't mean Atlanta, New right. Orleans, Carolina. Didn't also should, reach yeah, out to the uh, they, lawyer for those women. They wanted Deshaun Watson. They didn't reach out to his lawyer. So... Yeah, not a great look, but <laughs> football time, Deshaun Watson. I just don't even understand how it's like, hey, this guy's got this thing. Oh, okay. Should we talk to anyone about yeah. it? We'll talk to him. Yeah. Like, no one on the other side? 20 women? No one in the room spoke up and went, should we at least call a representative <laughs> of them? God. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Oh. You didn't even hit it. Dang it. I didn't even do it. Press box transition. Uh, this was a fascinating breaking news story yesterday in the world of women's tennis. Ash Barty has retired from the WTA. Ash Barty is the number one ranked player in the world. She ju- just last year won the Australian Open and Wimbledon. Like We're talking like three months ago. She won in Australia. She's only 25 years old. She did like a little interview that, uh, that she posted on her Instagram yesterday. She's having a press conference today, by the way. But she just sort of said she physically and emotionally doesn't have the same want that she used to have and that she's stepping away from the game at 25 years old, ranked number one in the world. It's the second time she stepped away. She stepped away before as a, as a younger player and stayed away, I think, two years, played cricket professionally in Australia. I mean, I did not know that. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm almost translate? surprised. I'm almost surprised it doesn't happen more because 
a kid like this would have been traveling and playing every day of her life since when? 10? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, to get that good. So, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised more I'm burned out and said, you know what? This To get up at 6 a.m. or whatever it is, hit balls every day of my life. And she's won three or four Grand Slams. So, and she has sponsorships. So, I think financially at 25, she's better off than most 25-year-olds. Oh. She's won millions and do- millions of dollars. I'm the, the the part that's fascinating there is you mentioned like she's been doing she's probably been doing this oh, since she was a kid, kid every single day hours yeah. hours hours and at some point you're like well this is this that's a lot this wears on you I'm fascinated with that because we hear the exact opposite from a lot of athletes who are like this is all I've known so of course I'm going to yeah. keep doing it as long as I possibly can right like it's fascinating that some people could do, I've been doing this since I was 12 but like I've been waking up doing this sport for hours every single day since I was 12 I'm. I'm good. Like, I don't need to keep doing it. And some people are like, this is all I got, man. This I'm going to keep playing until they tell me I can't. They, uh, we talked, we were talking about this at the house the other day about Mark andre Fleury. And, uh, when he, he, when he'll retire now, I don't know what he'll do. Maybe he goes into broadcasting. I don't know if he doesn't really come off as a broadcaster to me, but the same thing, like how much has that guy been on a sheet of ice in goal <laughs> since he was born? Yeah. And it's just, and then you're right. And then at 38, whatever he is, with, you know, decades left of your life, hopefully, you kind of wake up one morning, and what do you do? I mean, you know, yes, you spend more time with the wife, because I get that, but eventually, especially as an athlete, you need something to get the juices flowing. And when it's not around anymore, I, I bet a lot of those athletes just go through, what do I do? They wake up in the morning and don't know what to do with them. She seems pretty healthy, though. She seems the exact opposite. She seems the She's exact like, opposite. Like, yeah, it, I'm, I'm done. I'm good. Yeah. She said yesterday in the interview that I watched something about, you know, I'm going to move on to some other things in my life. Okay. So it's like she's good for her. probably already has other things. She's like, yeah, right. I really want to do that. But I got to train for the damn Grand Slam. Exactly. <laughs> she's like, I, it Wimbledon. These two. What was actually interesting, she uh, yesterday in an interview said that Last year, winning Wimbledon was when she kind of knew this might be it because that was like that was apparently her dream that she win Wimbledon. That was what she wanted to do was win Wimbledon. And once she did that, she was like, I'm done. All right. Yeah, I did I've it. Done all. enough. She won the Australian Open a few months after that right. anyways. But apparently winning Wimbledon was like the achievement she wanted to accomplish. She got it and was like, OK, sounds good to me. I'm good to go. All right. Coming up next uh, is Tyreek Hill about to get traded. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. So here's a fun tweet from Tom Pelissero. Multiple teams have already engaged in trade talks on Tyreek Hill. And the expectation is the Mm. Chiefs would get a massive haul for one of the NFL's most dynamic weapons who would get his monster extension elsewhere. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted, Jets and Dolphins are in serious talks to trade for Tyreek Hill. Hmm. Hill and Chiefs are mulling what to do, but Hill's time in Kansas City looks like it could be coming to an end. Jared? I mean, some <laughs> Mahomes was thrown to a dude named Pringle at one point. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm kind of of the belief that, like, yeah, Tyreek Hill's nice, but he's also really tiny and likes to like set the ball like a volleyball player straight up in the air whenever he misses a catch. So yeah, someone can have him. This is exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs do. Tyreek Hill is playing on the last year of his contract. Uh, he is 27 years old. Tyreek Hill is about to get a massive deal because like a, he like has a, been 
Adams did. Right. He might even get more guaranteed get more money. Because somehow the Raiders got a one-year deal with two years, <laughs> two-year option. Um, he's about to get a massive deal, but he's 27. He's 28, actually, I think, will be this season. This is exactly what Kansas City should do. Because Tyreek Hill is not going to be as good for the next five years as he has been for the first four years of his career. Exactly what we said about Devontae. And if you're Kansas City and you can trade him and get back multiple oh, number yeah. one picks or whatever this trade hall ends up Especially being. If it says a massive trade hall, it's right. multiple number ones. You can let somebody else pay Tyreek Hill. I think you yeah. absolutely do it. And you bank on two things or one of two things. Like Jared said, if you have Patrick Mahomes, he's going to make Byron Pringle look pretty good, right? We've seen we've seen Aaron Rodgers That's do that throughout his, first his career. Name. Where Aaron Rodgers will not have good receivers right. and all Brady, of a sudden Marquez Rogers. Valdez Scantling is yeah. having a big game. I think you, A, trust that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to make average wide receivers look much better than they are. But you also probably have some confidence here that you can draft a good rookie wide receiver. Mm -hmm. That is not going to be Tyreek Hill, but that you can draft a good rookie wide receiver who's going to be good. So I think this is exactly what Kansas City should be doing. And I honestly don't think it makes them that much worse in terms of winning the Super Bowl. If they trade him away and say draft a wide receiver, no, it's putting a ton of a uh, ton of trust in Pat Mahomes. Yeah, and oh, by the way, Tom Pelissero also tweeted that um, Marquez Valdez Scantling is already in Kansas with the Chiefs, or is going to meet with the Chiefs. So that not here, be, not I here. Was, I thought that was a name that was going to go in the room. Um, so Marquez Valdez Scantling could be a receiver that goes to Kansas City and partially helps fill the void that Tyreek Hill would leave here. But man, that's. Is it weird that this happens? The Dolphins. Yeah. Is it weird that the Dolphins are the teams interested in here in him? What what are the Jets gonna do with Tyreek Hill? Well, the Dolphins saved all that money because Brian Flores refused to lose. (laughs) (laughs) What are the Jets gonna do here exactly? Be a little better. Get get Tyreek Hill and finish fourth in the AFC. Exactly. I just I, I guess I mean, I don't know. By that logic, you should never try to sign good players, but I just I don't get the Jets so much. The Dolphins, though, yes, they could have a really good offense. Like genuinely speaking, they could have a really good offensive line next year. And Waddle if, and Hill. If you have, yeah, that, that's an incredible top two wide receiver pair. Like the Dolphins could have a tremendous offseason next year, and maybe more importantly, you will absolutely find out if Tua is any good or not. If you put a good sure. offensive line around him, and he's got Jalen Waddle. And Tyreek Hill. And he sucks. He right. sucks. And you got to find the new quarterback. If he's great, look at that. He's yeah, great. In the playoffs and you've got your great. quarterback. So I I think I love it if the Dolphins do it. I think I absolutely do. Because you're going to find out if your quarterback's any good. And you're probably going to have a really good offense next year. And honestly, probably for a couple of years. Um, as long, I mean, even if two is just average, that's still going to be a good offense that they have. So I love it for the Dolphins. And I think... I think I, st- I think I love it the most, though, for Kansas City. In all honesty, I think I like it the most for Kansas City. The only weird thing about it is that it took them until March 23rd to do this. Yeah, why is this happening now? Yeah, it's, it is an interesting part that, it, it, that it's two, happening Two, three now. weeks into free agency. Yeah, because this could have happened. When did they start thinking before. about this? Yeah, this could happen. I mean, Russell Wilson got traded before the new right. league year, technically. He didn't go official until the new league year started. But they could have traded him as soon as they were eliminated from the playoffs, right? They could have been having these conversations. So it is weird that it's just like out of nowhere, March 23rd, Kansas City's like, you know, we can get rid of them. And also the funny part of this is 
The Chargers go out and sign, you know, Khalil Mack. The Chargers get better. The Raiders go out JC and get Devontae Adams and uh, Chandler Jones. The Broncos are like, eh, let's go get this quarterback named Russell Wilson. Keep, the Chiefs are like, you know what? We should trade away our best <laughs> wide receiver. Because we'll still be better than all of you. Right. And I'm sitting here saying, and they're still going to win the division <laughs> even when they do that. Because they've got the best quarterback in the league. But I, this is so, they're this not great is where. Defensively. Yeah, it's fine. It's irrelevant. Well, they're about to get a bunch of draft picks. <laughs> they're going to draft a bunch of defensive guys. This is where, and this, by the way, for Kansas City, is where rookie contracts play a big part. Where Tyreek Hill has been a cheap, awesome oh, wide yeah. receiver for them. Like, I'm looking here. I mean, $21 million cap hit is what he would play on this year. So, maybe not that cheap. But it's never been above uh, 17 until this year. And more importantly, Patrick Mahomes has been a cheap, awesome quarterback. Now that Mahomes now is that getting his money, now that it's kicking in, you have to make cuts elsewhere. Right. And this is where the rookie quarterback makes a big difference and make, it makes it easier for teams to win. And this is where we talked about this in uh, Super Bowl week and we've talked about it since then. It might be time to start treating wide receivers the same way we treat quarterbacks. Where In terms if, of their rookie deals. If you're good on a rookie deal, you have a ton of value right. because... Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, the good wide receivers, are going to command these 20-plus million-dollar cap hits, whereas if you can get a rookie wide receiver on a $3 million cap hit to be 80% Justin as productive, Jefferson. right, or or be that good, that's tremendous. And now you've got a great chance to win and, and save some money and spend it elsewhere. So this is – what an offseason. Like, this is insane. These are how huge many... names. If you would have said when the Super Bowl ended, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill are changing teams. Yeah. I mean, be, there'd be no one, no way anyone would believe that, especially, well, because you didn't know the situation of Green Bay, but especially Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Like, if anyone would have said that, you'd be like, no way, they're not getting rid of yeah. that guy. You, you could have, honestly, you could have easily believed Devontae Adams was getting, moving yeah, out of Yeah, because you didn't Bay. know what was happening with Rodgers. Right. But Tyreek Hill, that's wouldn't have even crossed anybody's mind until literally 20 minutes ago. Right. Right? It, insane. And, like, listen, season ended, and I said, biggest name quarterback to move is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. I didn't think anybody was going anywhere. And now Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be like the fifth biggest name quarterback to move or something like that. And are he staying in San Francisco? Or just staying. He's not going anywhere. And then you throw in non, uh, non quarterbacks. I mean, Tyree Hill and Devontae Adams are significantly better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So what a fun off season coming up next. Jason Fitz joins the show. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now from ESPN is Jason Fitz. All right. Raiders fan, instant reaction to the news that Tyreek Hill could be traded out of Kansas City is? Uh, I mean, I'm stunned. Uh, honestly, I looked at it and thought in a, in a year where every single team in the division has made wild moves to try and catch the Chiefs, the Chiefs are like, now nah, we're good. We'll take a step back and still feel good about <laughs> ourselves. Like that's, that's astounding confidence, and it speaks to the contract that the Raiders gave, uh, you know, Devontae, because my, my belief has to be at this point that. Tyreek Hill wants such an obscene amount of money that you have to walk away from him. And that only happens in part because Devontae Adams just got obscene amounts of money. So uh, it changes the whole division. I mean, it, it, if you'd asked me 10 minutes ago, it doesn't matter what everybody else does. The Chiefs are still the favorite. You ask me now, and the Chiefs are in the pack, and literally any of these teams can win the division. What a great division. We all just stared at each other, by the way, wondering who was going to talk next, just yeah. so you know what happened there, Jason. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
So there's no follow up. Do you okay, you you've come on this show before and you've talked about paying the top of the wide receiver market and that hey, if you get Devontae Adams, that's the guy you pay, but you don't like the idea of paying the Christian Kirks of the free agent class. You'd rather draft a guy and try to see, hey, this guy's Justin Jefferson. Uh, what do you think the odds are the Chiefs do just that, where they trade away the guy that's at the top of the market and they go out and they draft somebody in the first round, and that guy has a 1,200-yard, 12-touchdown season in his first year? Pretty darn good. But the, the, Honestly, when you got Mahomes and you have all of the other pieces on the offense that allow wide receivers to not uh, face the same types of coverages, I think especially in a stacked wide receiver class this year, like, you can get a starter in the second round. You know, I, I genuinely believe that. So I keep thinking about their their opportunity to get a guy that can put up big numbers is pretty good. That being said, I looked and I looked at his uh, stat share from last year. My guy had 159 targets. Like that's a stunning number of targets. So even if they get somebody that ends up in a year or two being as good as Tyreek. Right now, today, are they going to find somebody that they think can get 159 targets and take the workload off of Kelsey to allow Kelsey to get what he gets? Because the rest of the wide receivers have all been viewed as very good because they didn't have to be Tyreek. They don't have a Tyreek in the room anymore. So, I mean, if we're just looking at their weapons on paper, I don't care if they draft a, a you know Alave or one of the wide receivers that everybody's in love with this year. Their weapons are not as good right now. If they trade Tyreek Hill, the Raiders have better offensive weapons than the Chiefs do, and I cannot believe I'm saying that out loud. <laughs> okay, I knew, I was wa- watching a San Diego tuna boat. Listen, what? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> what? press press box transition. One thing I was going to ask you about the Raiders, and here we go. It seems the wide receiver room is full. Yesterday, another defensive tackle. Are you somewhat concerned? And I know they've drafted some borderline backups. If they started today, that offensive line is the exact same. Like, does that concern you? And I, they're, look, they're not going to get who Miami got. I get that because they weren't going to be able to afford that. But each day I'm kind of waiting for the next shoot to drop. Like, are there any other tackles or linemen out there? And as, as mentioned yesterday, you're in the third round, so I don't know who you get in third-round offensive line who would start. But are you worried about that? Because everyone seems very fired up about everything else. Yeah, I, I am very worried about that. And so the funny thing is, is I said last year going to the Super Bowl, the most interesting part of it was that you had two teams that decided to do business two very different ways. You have the Bengals who are going to go all young, say, screw the offensive line, we don't care, and they're going to go in and say, hey, we can do this with dynamic offense. Then you have the Rams on the other side who are saying, we are going to go all in on the biggest names and the biggest contracts of people that can make us better right now. We don't care about the draft. It's two very different ways of doing business. The Raiders have seemingly put those together in a weird hodgepodge where they're buying into the Bengals logic that if you have enough weapons and your quarterback doesn't mind getting murdered, then you're going to be able to put up points because that was the, the key. Right. But like, I'm with you. I, I would tell every Raiders fan right now, and I haven't done this yet. Admittedly, just start deep diving guards because in the third round, you're not going to get your starting tackles typically, but you can get a starting guard in the third round. So in my mind, like when the when the draft starts, they're, they're going to be heavy on interior offensive line, and their hope is that they've got somebody in the room right now that can play enough tackle to get them through a year. But it does not feel particularly like this offensive line is not going to be good. The the, the hope is going to be that everybody's going to be so scared to to send any level of pressure because if you send any pressure, then you're going to put those weapons one on one on the outside. You're going to lose all day. So that's got to be the hope. I, but my God, like. Derek Carr, if a play call comes in 
and that play call involves Derek Carr being under center for any reason, he should just say no. Just no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, did you enjoy, probably doesn't matter ultimately, but do you enjoy when a player like Devontae Adams says, you know, I, I grew up a Raiders fan. I've always wanted to be a Raider. Like, does that, does that make you love him even more? I don't care. Like oh, that, that's yeah. the thing. Like, yo, I'll use the music analogy here. Like I played some gigs that were successful in my life for artists whose music I hated, but as long as it's paying the bills, like, all right, oh. I'll play that. And I'll get the best song of my life. Like I played for, for a year of my life for a country dude named Easton Corbin. And he had, when I started with him, back to back number ones, right out of the gate, real super country dude. And I'm like, not into it. Like you're, I'm talking about a guy that you walk up on the tour bus and he's listening to George Strait, like, DVDs at the time, watching George Strait tours and singing George Strait music. And I respect it. That's just not my thing. That doesn't get me hyped up. So I'm walking up on a bus. I'm like, oh, my God, he's, he's covering George Strait songs in the middle of the set. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't like any of this, but I'll get out there and I will play whatever that song is. Like, my life depends on it if you're paying me. Ultimately, this is business for the guys. Like, I don't care what they're fans of. Like, Devontae being a fan of the Raiders, isn't going to make him prep any harder. I love the personal story that his family can come out and see more games. I think that might, like having comfort of knowing you're close to family can make a player relax a little bit in life. That can be important. But, my God, who you like? whose shirt you wore as a kid, I don't care. Like, And most of these guys that I talk to don't care about that either. They just they care about where they're getting paid and where they can do the business that they need to do. Uh, okay, so the guy you, pay, you played for, you were paid – other than your own band, give us a name or two that you would have paid for, uh, played for free, and you actually did. Oh you played God. for it. Okay, like I, I, I will say this: there's so many instances of this, but like when we were out on tour with Keith Urban, I flat out begged Keith. Like we were opening for Keith, I begged Keith to let me. He had one song out that had a fiddle on it, and he used like this hologram sort of image of a of a fiddle player. And I was like, dude, I'm right here. I would play this show for free. Like Keith Urban, uh, absolutely somebody I would have played for for free. And to this day, like, I've, I've spent a whole chapter of my life very jealous of the fiddle players that were called to play for Pon Jovi. That was my first concert. Oh. So, I, you know, now that I am I, a humble brag, now that I'm texting buddies with Richie Sambora, the number of times that I, like, reach out to Richie and I'm like, hey, man, you need strings on this uh, new record you're working on. I'll I, I take care of you for you. Yeah, there, there's a whole list of, like, you know, rock guys and, and, you know, a few country guys. Like Chris Stapleton, if Chris was in town, yes. he would play that show for free. Yes. Like, because Chris... Chris has so much soul. I'd be like, dude, I'll pay you to come in and play this show. Like that's hundred percent. That's not very good business, Jason. For somebody <laughs> that was just telling us about Devontae Adams being a business guy. And this is business. This is terrible business for you. Uh, this is, these are the moments that I remind everybody. Like I, I am the worst. And, and one of the things that they now teach, not that you guys really care about this or most people care about this, but for the longest time, schools didn't teach um, sports or entertainment. I should say uh, budgeting. They didn't teach the money side for anybody. <laughs> Dog oh, the dogs. I love it. Annabelle's out on this thing. But yes. uh, Berkeley became the first music school that actually taught economics for musicians because you don't even realize when you first start that, like, you might play a session and it takes six months to get paid and you got to invoice people ten times. Like, I was always the worst. Even when I was a little kid and I had a paper out, I delivered my papers and I never went and collected. Like, I, because oh. I feel bad asking people for money. So, like... I get yelled at by the paper company. They're like, hey, you haven't collected your route in two months. So, Jeez. you know, kids looking up newspapers are what people used to deliver and people used to read. I got, I've got newspaper guys uh, reminding me about uh, the um, Christmas bonus. But oh, you didn't pick oh, it up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, with the, they Same. put the envelope in the paper and say, hey, remember now, you know what time it is. You know what, you know what time uh, of year it is. Jeez. I mean, 
and that, so, you know, again, stories nobody asked for. But, like, I didn't grow up with much. And uh, when I decided I wanted a Nintendo, the original Nintendo, I was like, Ma, I want a Nintendo. And now I'm practicing eight hours a day at that point. I'm going to school. I'm doing all these things. I'm like, Ma, I want a Nintendo. And she's like, I don't have money for a Nintendo. If you want one, go get a damn job. So I got a paper out. And I grew that paper out, and I worked that paper out. I wasn't great at collecting, but I finally collected enough to go get myself a Nintendo. And this is back, you know, early 90s, right? So I go get my Nintendo. And I'm not kidding. Like a week after I get the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo comes out, which I didn't know was coming out. Like the Internet didn't exist. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to be making these games. for the, We're not going to support these games anymore. Like I have a multi-generation anger issue with Nintendo to this day where I'm like, they suck because it took me two years to save up the money for a normal one and play the bad track and field game and Blades of Steel. And I was so excited to have double dribble and tech mobile. And then Super Nintendo made my childhood bad. Wait, do you still have the old Nintendo? Still have it? Uh, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm not. And, and by the way, like all, all anger issues aside, like every time I bought the Wii when the Wii came out, just because I could play tech mobile on it. Like now I'm nostalgic, but I'm, it's an angry purchase. Like, you know, I, I angry buy it and, and I say mean things. Don't want to plug it in. All right. There's Jason Fitz, angry at Nintendo for years. We appreciate that. <laughs> I, I hope we get more angry Nintendo stories from you. All right, Jason, get out of here. Thank, Thank you, buddy. Y'all have a great Thank week. Thank you, brother. Really. So there is Jason Fitz, mad at Nintendo because of the Super Nintendo. The brain cramp on the tuna boat. Yeah, what, what was yeah. what the hell's my, the tuna boat? My, yeah, it's my apologies. We it's need to. I, I, I'm sorry. Coming up next, we find out what the yes. hell Ed Graney was watching. But we've got <laughs> tickets to go see Morrissey. He is coming to Las Vegas. Viva Maz Vegas at the Coliseum on July 1st. And we got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Morrissey at Caesars Palace, 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number five. This is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Congratulations to Steve. He won a pair of tickets to go see Morrissey at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace. All right, are you going to explain what yeah, you're that was watching? Yeah, that was a brain cramp. Um, but what, I, was, but I don't care about the brain cramp. What the hell is a tuna boat, and why are you watching it? I wasn't watching it. I was on. I glanced at Twitter, and the picture just came up right at the very second I was going to ask Jason about the offensive line, and it was just a brain cramp, and I'm like, oh, there's a tuna boat. <laughs> but it was this tuna boat from, like, 1925, this huge, huge, huge tuna boat in the in the harbor there. I thought it was a fascinating picture. But then I knew it was I was up, and then it just it just froze. Uh, important question: Do you have a fascination with boats? I have a fascination with historical pictures. Like there's okay. a hist- history in pictures on 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 Twitter where you can. I mean, they're just, I think it's fascinating when they put those pictures up from like the 1800s. Jared's saying yes, he knows what I'm talking about. It's a historical picture tweet. And I love those. And it can be as it can be just a tuna boat. Yeah, from like the 1920s. <laughs> uh, yes, I, yes. And everything shuts down. There is no more thoughts. Just there, ooh, tuna oh, boat. just complete well, blank I'm, mind. Ooh, uh, old picture. Have yes. you never been like dead set? Like, okay, I need to go do this, and then you exit a room and go, "What did I need to do?" Oh, oh yeah. God. Yes. Yes. That but, like yes. He just had that happen, except it was with the tuna boat. Yes. He had a, He walked into a room and there was a tuna it boat. Was just, he was like, oh. It was complete blank. That's my apologies. I just, <laughs> I just went completely blank there because of the tuna boat, and it wasn't even a picture on the on the Twitter site that I love, which is historical pictures. It was just someone for some reason tweeted that. Did you see the picture? 
somehow it was like an aerial shot from the early 1900s of the, it was showing like how close the polo grounds and Yankee stadium were in New York because they weren't very far away from each other. No. Okay. I'm guessing I did not you see did. it. Okay. That's just the most recent old photo I saw on Twitter <laughs> was that. And I feel like now you would love that. You'd be like, Oh, did you enjoy that. the photo? Do you enjoy old photos? Not apparently, not as much as you, I guess. Like, I'll stop and look at it and be like, oh, that's interesting, but not as much as I guess you over here. There used to be a really good, uh, he's a hundred year old tuna boat and is like, whoa, everything's got to stop. Yes, exactly. There used to be a really, really good, uh, Twitter account that was just, uh, abandoned stadiums and abandoned, like, from back in the day. Yeah. Like, um, just they would apparently, this person would just travel to like the old Astrodome. And just like somehow got inside and took a bunch of pictures of it slowly caving in on yeah. itself. And yeah, it was really, really interesting. Like an old ice rink that apparently someone had built in the like in the middle of and Kansas. Still and it's well, it's not standing, it's, it's dilapidated. Decayed, yeah, yes. but it's still just like you can see where everything was, but there's now weeds growing through it. <laughs> right through the ice. Why did the polo grounds exist the way it existed? Uh, you guys are aware of what the polo grounds, right? Yeah, it's a baseball stadium. Right, right? but it is like a 550-foot center field. I did not know that. Like It's like they had a football field. Well, they had put to play, a baseball they had diamond to play. on it, was, it. It was also shaped like a football field. Right, it's like they had a football field. They yeah. put an infield diamond on it and just yes. didn't bring the walls in. Well, it, maybe And it, the bullpens were in the field. Okay, that but one they, seems But dangerous. they were like 550 feet away, so like didn't really matter. But they were in Look the field that. of play. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like it's one of the most absurd that's a, fields. That's a home run shot. You've seriously, you have to hit it like 500. Yeah. It's you're playing in a square or a rectangle, I guess. Rectangle. Yeah. There's no rounding to make it a nice little semicircle. It's you're just in a rectangle, and they don't bring the fences in. I feel like this is one of those things that somebody at some point was like, "I missed the pole polo grounds. There's too many dingers these days." Probably. Well, there's too many dropped-in singles where you get a double. Because <laughs> yeah. some, dude, some some dude's four fifty-five away, and you just gotta yeah. you gotta spray a single, and you're like headed to second automatically. And when he was playing, he also in the off season was a plumber. <laughs> yes. Here's yes. okay. If this uh, if this is accurate, four sixty three to dead center, four forty seven and four forty to left and right center, two seventy nine and two fifty six down the lines to the poles. Yeah, because look, you can look, you can cut it right there yeah. at the pole, and then it just expands. Yeah, and then it's just it's a straight amazing. wall at the at the foul poles. The wall yeah. just goes straight. Yes, out. <laughs> so it's two again. <laughs> So at the polo grounds, if you put it down the line, you only need to hit about 260 to get it out. If you accidentally screwed up and hit it up the middle, you better hit that baby 4-7. <laughs> that thing better be the, what, the longest home run in the history of the sport, or it's bouncing around out there. Which I guess, by the way, I guess if you hit it 440 over the outfielder's heads, you're probably rounding the base. Yes. Like, yeah. you just got to run instead of jog. But why did they try to throw that in and hit the cutoff, yeah. man? That thing will bounce four times before it gets God. to the cutoff, man. I kind of think this needs to be brought back. I kind of think the polo we, we, we need more dumb baseball fields. Like what's what's the like what's the dumbest field in baseball right now? The Green Monster, probably. It's three ten and the walls like a hundred feet a high. Yeah, like that's that, that's well, the dumbest thing we have. The right? dumbest thing is Tampa Bay, just because it is a baseball field. <laughs> in in that in that weird weird inside weirdness they have yeah 
I mean, it and is. Just, I hate that. Yeah, it is a. We need more dumb baseball fields. That's that's like the Astros used to have a hill in center field. Yeah, they got rid of it. Bring it back. And the foul pole was in play, or not the foul pole. The there was a flag pole on the hill in center field that was in play. Bring bring back the hill. We need more dumb things. Like I love when indoor fields, a ball gets hit so high it hits the roof. Yes. And then we have to sit yeah. there and be like, all right. Piece of roof fall down at one point. It's probably dangerous, but I think at the Astrodome something happened. But then every <laughs> every ballpark that has a roof has its own rules as to what's a fair and foul Is ball, it, and they're all different. They like ground rule doubles. Yeah, in Tampa, there's a home run. If you hit a certain part of the roof, it's an auto home run because they're like, well, if you hit that, it probably was going out. But there's another part. If you hit a different part, it's a it's in play wherever it lands. So in ta- I didn't know that in Tampa it doesn't have to go out, but if it the trajectory has brought it up to a certain part of the roof, there's, they say it's there's a home run. rings on their roof, and if so you they hit, say if, if you, you hit, hit a certain there, ring, they de- determine it a home run. Wow, it's great, and th- we need more dumb stuff like that in baseball. It's awesome. Like so you're yeah. bringing back the polo grounds. Oh yeah. Oh, this is stupid. Are you kidding me? This would be amazing. <laughs> to I'd watch. love to see singles into doubles. Like me? every oh. time a guy gets a single, there would be no more singles left. Because it, you just run to the double, you just run, you just run a second. The guys yeah. the, in the polo grounds images I just saw, I swear to God, they were playing four hundred feet. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. playing four hundred feet. Well, yeah, when you know Mike Trout's up, you're yeah. backing up to the walls. <laughs> when like when they're Bellinger's eight hitters up, up. You're coming into the second base. <laughs>